0: Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. Topic this morning, Mit this will be the first part of uh, maybe two or three shirim on the topic. Are Midrashim real? And the basic answer is yes. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) Hopefully we'll explore when do we understand the Chazal literally versus metaphorically. Are there indications? Are there guidelines for that? What do we do when we find a goda or a Chazal in general that seems to be in contrast to our perceptions of life or in conflict with what we call science? What do you do in that case? We'll also get into the question of why were they written so cryptically? Right? There are so many Agados we have in Shaz that they're clear that the intent is not to be understood at face value. And the messages are very much hidden within the words of the Chazal. But why in the world would Chazal choose to make it so difficult to decipher? And then last but not least, we're going to Mithashem, see some guidelines. We'll see from the morale and the Ramchal and others, how do we decipher agada what are the basic principles we have to uh, take any piece of Chazal and uh, work through it in a way that could be somewhat authentic to being machave into understanding the intent of the author, so to speak? So, when do we take it literally versus metaphorically? What do we do when it's in contrast to our perceptions or in conflict with science? Why were they written in this particular way? And what are some of the basic principles to decipher a god in general? Let's start with the Rambam of the Parish Hamishnayis. He goes through three different types of people, at least during his time, uh, regarding their havana, their association or understanding of Agada. Harishona, the first group, who rove mashriisi, and these are the majority of the Jews. They understand the words of Chazal simply, or literally. And they don't try, or they don't even assume, that there's a hidden message. Because they are lacking uh, the understanding of wisdom, and they are very far away removed from understanding. And even though sometimes you'll find something in agada that seems so far removed from the Seichel, it's almost impossible to learn this in a literal way. Nonetheless, they do so. And other people look at this group and they say, what in the world are you thinking? This is really what you believe? This is the religion you think is true? Vezuha kat hadas And in this group, they are enieh hadas They are impoverished with wisdom or a lack of wisdom Yesh lihitztair Alehem l'sikhlusam Says the Rambam classically We have to feel bad for them and this is double underlined for a reason. That according to their perception, they're honoring and they're raising up the banner of the Chachamim. But in reality, they're degrading them. They're disrespecting Chazal by understanding their words in a literal way. They are destroying the splendor of Torah, um, zahora, and they are darkening the radiance of Chazal. Right, so they feel that they're honoring the words of the sages by assuming that whatever is said must be taken literally. And, and this is what it says over here. So obviously that's the P'sha, that's the truth. But by doing so, says the Rambam, they're actually degrading the kavod of the Talmidi Chachamim of the Agada, And we find that it's not just the laymen who make this mistake, but you'll have many Darshanim, many people who are out there teaching the masses, trying to inspire Jews. They're teaching them that which they themselves don't know. And this is a very important point. See, we live in a world where we have so much exposure to so much Torah, and it's one of the greatest blessings. You go online and you could hear from any person across the globe any kind of Torah you're looking for. If I'm into the Bresla, I'm into Chabad, I'm into, you know, classic Slobodka uh, Shmuzin, I could hear anything out there. Part of the challenge, though, is that when you're a darshan, you have to start saying things that other people are not saying. i got to keep things exciting. Oh, well, everyone's heard that Shmuel is from Mechaim Shmuel before. I can't say that again. So i got to get more exotic. And getting more exotic often means not that I'm going to delve deeper into classic Chazal or Rishonim, but I have to find different parts of Torah that really haven't been explored so much right, more Kabbalistic things, or bring in from uh, personalities that are not as well known, and then it's more enjoyable, right. One of the main uh, tactics in public speaking is, if you're giving a speech and people feel, I've been there, done that, they're gonna shut off right away. That's why any drasha, when you start off by saying in this week's parsha, right, <laughs> at most someone goes to sleep, at the very worst they have very harsh and aggressive feelings towards you <laughs> or even if you say um, i don't want to get too into this this is a pet peeve of mine but i'm gonna stop myself here <laughs> But the problem is, is that we try to get more exotic, and we end up teaching things enam yodim, that which we ourselves don't really have a misora in, that which we ourselves don't really know what these words mean. But yet, it could catch your attention, so I might as well teach it to you. That's a problem, says the Rambam. omrim ein onu chachamim He says people do not have the intellectual honesty. Or I guess maybe even the humility to be able to say, you know what? I don't really understand the intent of Chazal here. This is a very cryptic midrash. I'm not sure how to interpret this. I'm not sure what the uh, the hidden message is. But it sounds like not only are these darshanim deceiving others, they're deceiving themselves. They don't realize that they don't fully understand this particular agadah, and therefore they have to somehow explain it. They convince themselves that their pshat is correct, even though I just thought about it four seconds ago and it popped into my head, right? But this is obviously what the chazal means, and now I'm going to teach it to you as if it's Torah Missinah. That's the first group, says the Rambam, and this is the majority of what he's seen, at least in his time. The sh'niyah, the second group. Heim Rabbim Gamkein, there are many of them as well. V'heim Osam shiro Divrachachamim, these are people, they've been exposed to the words of Agada. V'hevinu Osam K'fi and just like the first group, they also understand them somewhat literally either because they don't have a deeper education, or that's what their Rebbe or their father taught them. And they're not willing to say, okay, listen, if that's what Chazal tells us, it must be true. No, this is not true. I see it with my own eyes. I'm not willing to believe it. And therefore, I now have a very warped understanding or perception of who Chazal were and I speak ill about them. I mozi dibo, I speak lush and horror against Chazal. Ve'yeligu al and I'll even make fun of them because it sounds so radical or strange what they're telling me. Writes the Rambam, heim's scholim yoser rishona but this second group is actually more foolish than the first group. mashivim gedolim, because it's one thing to take a chazal at face value. Okay, you're totally missing the boat. But to assume that's what it means, and not to at least have the humility to accept, okay, it must be true, chazal are saying it, but to take the next step and degrade chazal, and to speak negatively about them, that's a terrible thing to do. That's group number two. And I think it could possibly be many of us fall into all of these groups, right? Just like the famous drasha with the four sons. We each have one of those four sons within us. So I think in these three groups, the Rambam, we probably have all three groups within our, uh, within our uh, essence of learning and, and trying to decipher these things. Oftentimes, and we're going to get into this hopefully in the subsequent year, we hear a lot of midrashim in school. And why does the Rebbe or Mora bring in whimsical midrashim? For the same reason that Darshan brings in something exotic from Kabbalistic sources. I got to keep these kids' attention. I got to make it exciting. Yeah? Only problem is, oftentimes, if I'm the Rebbe, I might fall into that category of I myself don't know what the Chazal means. And then when I'm sharing it with you, I can't do it justice. But the deeper problem could be is that if I, as a child, hear enough of these chazal without being able to have that maturity or development to say, okay, this is metaphorical. This is not to be taken literally. And at young ages, we don't have that capacity of There's no such thing as, well, it's true, but it's not literal. Right? You're six, seven years old. If it's true, it's literal. And if it's not literal, it's not true. So it could be, we do fall into the second category sometimes based on our education and based on the, uh, the lack of depth we've received in our childhood. V'hakat and now we have the third group. V'heym chay ma'atim ad Very, very few people are part of this third group to the point where he says, it's almost like calling one animal a species. You can't do that. But what is this third small group? Vehem osim Adam etzlam gedulas people who do have a clarity of the godless of Chazal, the tov and the mastery of their seichel, and they know whatever is being said, whatever is being shared with us through Torah Shabbal is emislamito. V'nis amis lehem shadivrei nigla v'nister. And they know that every word, every phrase, every agada has the nigla, somewhat of the revealed pshat, but also the nistra, the hidden pshat. And whenever you come across something that seems very unrealistic, or it sounds pretty whimsical, or out there, you know it's derechida. There's some kind of a riddle. There's some kind of analogy. This was the way of the great Chacham. And we'll have to explore why was that the way. Why do you make it so difficult for us? But this was the Derech. Everything that Chazal share with us is devar al right? Things that are of celestial importance. Shaheim Hatahlis. But the presentation is often an achida or a mashal, a riddle, or an analogy. We'll conclude here, the Rambam. He says, If you are part of that third group, When you see something that the mind, the intellect, says, hey, that really can't be pshat. So what do you do? So the first group would say, but it must be Pshat, because that's what the Chazal said. So I'll convince myself that's true. The second group would say, Chazal were so silly, they didn't know anything about biology, they knew nothing about basic physics. (laughs) Bunch of old-fashioned, primitive people writing down midrashim, Jewish lore. That's the second group. What does the third group do? Tamod Vitisbonbo, they think about it. They stop on that particular line or that particular phrase. v'dash Huhidu Mashal, knowing there's a lot more than meets the eye. v'tishkov Oshuk Hale Vitirud Haraoyon Bihiburo Bisvaroso. v'tachshav Limso Kavanas Hasechov Amunas and they pace back and forth, and they have pilpil chavarim and they analyze it, and they compare it to other chazal, and eventually they try to find, try to uncover the emis, the intent of that agada. Right? If you think about it, if you're learning Baba Kama, and there's a machlokas between Rashi and Tosfos, Rashi says something, Tosfos comes along, has three very basic fundamental questions on Rashi, and therefore he says another pshat. So what do we do now with Rashi? So do we say, okay, listen, Rashi is wrong. He forgot, the, uh, the he forgot about the Gemara in Psachem. He forgot about the Gemara in Ksubis. Okay, listen, he was, he was busy with the vineyard. You know, it's hard to keep cheshmen of all of shahs. Obviously Tosa has a good kasha. Rashi's wrong. That's not what limon ha is. Limon ha-Torah is, we come with a sense of reverence, we come with a feeling of awe, and if something doesn't make sense to me, so then the answer is not to disregard it or reject it, the answer is, let me be misbone, let me think about it, let me look at mafarshim, let me speak to people who have a broader grasp than I do. That's the kat ha-shlishis, that's the third group when it comes to chazal as well. And through that approach, they're able to uncover the real meaning of agada. So that's the Rambam giving us the basic uh, scope of different approaches and different people, at least in the 12th century. This piece in the morale in the Beragola, he speaks about finding a safer, somebody showed him a particular safer that was new on the market, and at first he was very excited. But then when he started reading the Sefer, he changed his mind drastically. He's addressing the issue here of finding something in Agada that seems to be against our understanding of science. He says, right? He's really defining here the second group. That when they find something that seems to go against our our perception of the world around us or our knowledge of science, they assume chazal clearly we're lacking that wisdom. Says the morale, I'm going to give you a guiding principle on how to understand the words of the Chachamim. Everything we find in Agada, they're is sikhliyim, they make sense, and they're actually defining and conceptualizing for us the matziyus mitasso, the reality of life. And oftentimes that reality is not what we perceive. So what do you do? Yechapes you search in their words until you find the path of truth. And this is the third kat of the Rambam. And here he has a very important line, and this I think is both significant for ourselves, but it's also important for teachers. And if you can't figure out the pshat, leave it as it is. Ad yara alav ruach mimorom, until your are to have ruach velo pigul al olam. But don't chas say the wrong pshat on the greatest Torah personalities ever to walk the earth, and that's double underlined here also for a good reason. If something is, is shver, if something is difficult, like the Rambam said, think about it. Talk about it, chaverim. do research. The Maral is telling us, even after all of that, if you can't get the Derecha Emis, then let it simmer. Put it on the back burner. And oftentimes you'll see this happens. You'll come across a Gemara, it's it's very strange, very fuzzy. You make note of it, either mentally or actually write it down, or now it is just put in the cell phone, right? And then it could be a year or even three years later when you're exploring something else. And one, one second, that's the exact same phrase they said in that particular chazal. And over here, the reference is, eh, and then you can start putting things together. But we have to have patience, we have to have humility, but to say something that's inaccurate, to explain chazal, to stop in our own, our own interpretation, to try to make sense out of it, that's, that's awesome. and it Says the moral further. So he found this new book, Bekasher Reisi Likroso Kisimchas Khasan Likras Kala. And it sounds like he was trying to explain the author um, different issues between science and Chazal. And he was so happy to see this, like the Chasen greeting his Kala. boy nikro lavavi But when I started reading the book, so then my heart was ripped and my, uh, my insides were churning. The Marti Oile Oznai Woe to my eyes that have read these types of words, woe to my ears that have heard such abikorsis. There's an author here who's trying to write a book to teach Jews Torah, but he himself doesn't know how to understand the Divrichamim. Echlo lo yore ledaber b'chachamim, and it sounds like the way he was speaking about Chazal was with a total lack of respect, and the morale was taken aback. How can you speak about the chachamim? V'yedaber ki ilu hei bedoro chaver? You're speaking about them as if they're your contemporaries? Right, that makes sense. This doesn't make so much sense. I assume the reason he said this is because he was living in Spain during that time and he was probably influenced by that type of philosophy. Historically speaking, this is very interesting, this kind of thing, right, looking down or almost equating yourself, having the audacity to put yourself in the same group with Chazal, we have not found until the 16th century, says the Marat. And if you look back throughout history, everyone always had that feeling of, there's a distinction. If I'm an Amara, I'm not going to argue on Atana. Ki <laughs> erikum ba'atzmam, they knew their own value, like one of the 48 ways of acquiring Torah is, makir makomo. You have to know your place. Know who you are, know what you know, and know what you don't know. Va'ata bodor hazeh, but now in this generation, yamur echad, someone stands up and he's speaking negatively against the Kedoshim, that were more than a thousand years ago, right? The Midrashim we're assuming, were pretty much authored during the times of the Mishnah and up through the Gemara. So the Gemara, we had the Chasimah's Talmud Bavli around the year 500. The Maral is riding in the 1500s, right? So you have a guy standing up. And he's speaking against people who lived more than a thousand years before he did. And it's one thing to give a drasha, right, to go online and say things that are Narishkite. but to print something like this, <laughs> to publish a book that really deserves to be burnt, like works of Apikoreses. But yet, to print it as if it's Sifrei Kodesh, he says, my complaint is not so much against the author, it's against the people who had the audacity, or at least the negligence, to publish something like this. How do you get this out to the world? Ki rechokim ohavim mehem divre chachamim. What an amazing line. Those who are removed from the Chachamim, they love stuff like this. They eat it up. When you're able to put down the Chachamim that I'm so removed from, and at least subconsciously I know I have no connection with these people, if you could degrade them in my eyes, then it just makes me feel better. It validates me. One of the greatest, one of the greatest, but... Something that's very disappointing about the whole idea of even Jewish websites, where you could please leave your comments. (laughs) And people feel, you know, they have the authority to say whatever they want against whomever they want. Shmuel Kamenetsky said that. (laughs) Clearly he doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Reb Chaim. Chaim. So it sounds like this is not a new phenomenon. This goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. One of the, uh, the negative outcomes, I guess, of the printing press. But this is what the morale was bemoaning here. Let's finish up this piece on page three. He says, Now he comes to the issue itself. Please don't waste ink, he writes, on trying to or forcing the Chazal to fit with your modern understanding of science. Why not? Because most often Chazal never were trying to explain the natural reason for something. Because that was totally off their radar. That's something that they would leave to the Chachmei to the scientists, to the rofim. If, if you're devoting your life to research in these fields, okay, Baruch Hashem, you'll explain how this stuff works. Chazal, we're not focused on that. And this we actually spoke about. We referenced this morale in the share we gave on the rainbow, the magic of the rainbow. The morale telling us whenever you see chazal, they seem to be explaining something in teva, right? something in the natural world. Most often, they're giving the siba shemachayu which means the, the metaphysical or the spiritual reason as to why the teva works the way it does, but they're not wasting their ink explaining the biology of it. He concludes, osa siba hativis yeh siba we know that everything in the physical realm has a shorish in the olam ruhani, has a divine reason. sibas hasiba. That's the cause of the cause. Um, That's what Chazal are referring to. That's what they care about. And I think this is also very important because there are different strategies, different ways to approach dealing with conflict between science and Chazal. I did the the Q&A for Rabbi Hech Shabbaton yesterday. So I was getting ready for some of these questions. They're kids, you know, boys and girls who are 10, 11 years old. I was assuming they would ask about the age of the universe and dinosaurs. But wow, I got caught off guard. These girls were well-spoken, you know, she's raising your hand. Rabbi, why is it that the Orthodox world views us women as so inferior? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> We walk into your synagogue and we see there is like 75% of that room for the men and the boys and like a little sliver for the girls. I was counting the tiles on the ceiling to see how many we had versus how many they had. This is absurd. And then I go in the basketball court. Who's playing basketball? Surprise, it's the boys. What are the girls doing? They're twiddling their thumbs in the playground. Can I make a suggestion, Rabbi? Sure. <laughs> Maybe you should switch off every other week. The girls could be on the big side, and the boys could be in the small side. And the girls could play basketball, and the boys could twiddle their thumbs. Okay, thank you so much. It's a nice suggestion. <laughs> and that was just the beginning of their questions. <laughs> other questions we can't have recorded, but I'm like, don't you want to know about dinosaurs? Oh. <laughs> <Right? laughs> uh, yeah. But the reason why this is so crucial is when you have those classic questions. Age of the universe. So astronomy or cosmology tells us it's 13.7 billion years. And the Torah, Parshav Pshad, is telling us it's significantly less than that. 5,780 years. So how do you address that? This is not our topic for today. For a different time, Ritz Hashem, we could do a Chazor on that one. Some take the approach where they're ligging, Baruch Hashem, they have a tremendous knowledge of, of modern science and cosmology, which is a wonderful thing to, to know. And then you, they go through verse by verse, trying to, to stop in all of their outside knowledge and explain, this is what the Pasuk means. When it says, or it's referring to this, when it says, Choshech, it's a reference to that. And you can make everything fit in theoretically with enough crowbarring into the pasuk or into the Ramban. Everything fits in gorgeously with Chazal, with science rather. The other way of doing it is look at what Chazal said about the Briyas look at the Midrashim, look at the Ramban himself carefully. And oftentimes you'll find pearls and you'll find ideas that can very much help the Torah and the Chazal coincide with science but it can't be an outside in approach it can't be I'm taking all that I know and just forcing it into the Torah that's not very authentic I want to hear what the Chazal themselves had to say and then we we could analyze it so, the morale saying, Veheim Osam Hasiba, Tivis, Chazal, were focused on the Siba of the Siba, and this particular author, he was getting very creative to the point where he was downgrading Chazal, and he was, he was saying things that were just not authentic Torah. I want to end off with a couple ideas from Ruchaim Friedlander. He's addressing why learning Chazal is so incredibly difficult, learning Agadah. He says there's two main hurdles we have when we learn any agada. The first is that we're trained to approach it in a very superficial way. Anyone trying to finish a mesachta and yeshiva? So, what do you do during the, uh, the blot or the prakim that are very much agada? You smear them, right? You have an art school right next to you so you can translate all the words and you just go through it quickly so I can say I finished the parrach. But we don't have the, uh, the education in how to stop and really focus and try to decipher what is the is saying. He quotes from the Brisker of Chaim Brisk, Shalom when you're learning, Sarech losim es rosho ala gemorah Veloas ha-gemorah el rosho you have to put your head to the Gomorrah you can't put the Gemara to your head. Which means, it's not about inserting your own ideas. You try to feel out, internally, what's being said. I will share parenthetically, what's the only type of limud? It's not really a limud, but the only words of Chazal, where the goal is not to have inside out, but actually outside in. To insert your own ideas into the words of Chazal, Right? Revolba says, he was bothered by the question, why don't we have any, we have some, but why don't we have the, the massive Rishonim who have a parish on, on Tanakh and Mishnayis and Gemara, why don't they have a parish on, on the Siddur? And the Siddur goes back to the and Knesset HaGadola, hundreds of years before Rabbi Judah wrote down the Mishnah. So one answer is because we're never going to get to the Omic, to the depth of what what An Knesset HaGadolah had in mind, right? Like the Nefesh HaChayim says, even knowing all of the kavanos of the Arizal, you're just barely scratching the surface of the the amkus, the profundity of tefillah. But it's more than that. The goal, says Revolba, is not so much understanding why they were writing this word versus that word. That's good to know also. But to know what the words mean, to have a nice perush, but then the ikur avoda, the main mission of the Tfila, is how do I make these words personal, and that requires you putting in your own ideas. But for everything else, the derech halimud is, what are Chazal teaching me, and we don't have training, says Reb Chaim Friedlander, when it comes to agada. The last paragraph here in the bottom on the right is al harbei beshitchius <laughs> kabalabatim. We approach it like laymen. We don't have the classic Roshe Yeshiva Svarim guiding us um, in how to decipher these Torah. We don't have the appropriate tools in this very important part of Torah. So we might not have the contemporary Rosh yeshivas, but we do have many of the G'dolei Hadoros who did give us some guidelines. But it's our job. We have to search them out and try to really understand what they're teaching us. So the first hurdle is we don't have the training. The classic limit in the yeshiva is never to really get the tools to get the amkus into a gada. The second hurdle, says Rechaim Friedlander, is tamun be'etzin, the intrinsic um, hiddenness of the message. Why is that not talk to us? Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna see, once we, once we go further in Rechaim Friedlander, next time, and he's going to quote the Rambam for us, who has a whole elaboration as to why, why they were written in such a cryptic way. So I think the more background we have as to why they did it in that particular way, we'll begin to understand, or at least have a little bit of a grasp, why is it not taught? Why is it not part of our system? Not pashet. This stuff is not pashet. But he says the second hurdle is the objective unclarity of the chazal itself. Ki hinei betorah pi sheyesh sod. Torah we have the pardes. There are always different levels of, of getting it. And we have the klal, ein mikru p'shuto. And that the seven-year-old could be learning parshas lech Lecha and getting the basic storyline, he's learning Torah, and then you could have the 87-year-old learning parshas lech on a whole different madrigo. But when it comes to many of the agada, many of the midrashim, there is almost no Peshat shot. When you're reading this particular Chazal, you can't say, well, simply speaking, what does this mean? It, it doesn't exist. <laughs> the question, though, is, says Rechaim Friedlander, When are we obligated? to translate or, or interpret the Chazal in a more simple way, that they're explaining the story, they're explaining the background based on the, uh, the verbose Lashon in the Pasuk, they're just giving us a little bit of a deeper insight as to what took place. And when do we have to say, this is not to be taken literally, and obviously I have to find the sod, I have to discover the secret. So those are the two hurdles regarding the learning of Agadah. He's going to have a few different reasons as to why Chazal wrote it in such a way. Let's do the first one today. We'll continue next time with the other ones. Maybe next time, being the Sunday before Purim, we could uh, do a couple of examples of uh, Midrashim or Gemara's on the Megillah that seem fairly whimsical, and to take a look at, take a look at the Marsha and others, how they explain them, get a little bit of a feel of the Derek. So here he's really elaborating on the Rambam in its introduction to the Parish of Mishnayis. And the Rambam starts off by giving the first reason as to why they are so incredibly <clears throat> difficult. And this is something that you probably would not have thought of. Take a look here, it says, The first reason given, and this is oftentimes misunderstood, I think, the Rambam says, "Im tabit oso al pshuto, tirabo enyanim rechokim in eseychos shein l'malum mehem." Like has been said, you'll see things that don't seem to make any sense. Why do they do it like this? Ha echad mehem l'il tosh rayone talmidim ule va ule lave v'libosom to inspire, to awaken the hearts of the talmidim. That's all the Rambam actually says. That doesn't make so much sense superficially. You're gonna, y- you Chazal, you have this, this limitless wisdom. You're trying to share with Klal Yisro. Why are you actually recording this in writing? Right? The Gemara in Gittin tells us you're not allowed to do that. So it's the Hetar. Eis La Lashem. La they had to put this in writing, otherwise the Chokhmah would be lost. Okay, so once you're writing it down, to hopefully have that posterity for doros for all generations to come, so write it like a mensch. <laughs> Let me know what you're talking about. You're almost, you're almost taking away the whole reason as to why you're writing it. So the first svarah says the Rambam is, they wanted to do it bedafka in a hidden way, that the Talmidim, through the guidance of their Rebbeim, through a Masorah, would be able to discover it, and that would be machadey that would awaken and, and motivate them to the message of the chazal. The way Rubhaim Friedlander explains that is, he says, Gam <laughs> Havana The Rambam's telling us that for understanding some of these sodas, some of these secret messages of the Agada, intellectual havana is not sufficient. There needs to be havanas halev, a deeper emotional connection. Hapanim yishele adam ukedeshin es bekach hikshu chazal havana es hadavarim. In order to develop or in order to allow us to have this emotional relationship, a havanas halev with the message of the agada, chazal had to make it in this coded manner. And I think what the Rambam means, I think this is what Urchaim Friedlander is telling us, <clears throat> when something is spoon-fed and I don't discover it on my own, it's by definition lacking an excitement. It's lacking the Havana Salev. Even if you tell me so clearly what it means, what it doesn't mean, what the Hashkafe is, what the hashkafah is not, I could appreciate it, I could absorb it, I could allow it to penetrate the seichel, but it's not going to penetrate the lab in the same way if I'm not going through a process of discovery. So obviously Chazal had to make that hashara, that very, very fine estimation of, we can't make it totally hidden to the point where no one's going to understand this 800 years from now, then the whole reason for writing down Torah Shabal is lost, but we still have to have enough layers of decoding to make the experience and the process of agada one of discovery, not one of being spoon-fed. That's the first reason the Rambam gives as to why Hazan wrote agada in this mysterious way. And we're gonna to have to stop here for now, but I think this message is gonna be something very crucial. In order to really relate to these ideas of Chazal, Havanas Haseichel is not sufficient. That requires Havanas Halev. But Havanas Halev must be through some level of science. It doesn't mean just sitting back with a cigar and making up your own pshat. And that's going to be the complexity of Agadah. There's science, there's rigor, there's Mesorah. But at the same time, the only way to really get it is through the emotion and the Havanas Halev. Shkoyach.